Good morning. Um, we welcome all of you here, and uh, we're glad you've come to worship together with us. And um, what a great time in February. We're going to have plus two tomorrow. What a great place to live. I don't know about your week, but we've had an interesting one. From very exciting news to tough conversations, and then to stand and watch your place nearly burn down, that's kind of a full week. So I'm standing at the window with one of the employees from uh, Janssen Paint there, and he says, um, God, what are you up to now? And, um, well, that's a very good question while you're burning down. And says, but is that also a good question for when you didn't burn down? Because the firemen, everybody believed our building would go to. We had intervention. So I believe I am to declare his, good, his goodness, glorify his name, and tell the story when the opportunity comes. In Genesis 16, verse 13, Hagar declares when God reaches out to her in the wilderness, you are the God who sees me. It's hard to put into words what it means when at the end of a rough week, you get affirmation that God sees you. What does he want from us? But I believe it is to let the world know that he, that he provides. And if we don't have the words for it, he will provide the words as well. Let's pray together. Father, you see us. You know what is happening all the time. Help us to declare of your grace, mercy, and love. You're there in sickness and in health. You are faithful. Help us to tell the world around us. Oh, that we may be an encouragement to those that we meet, to our neighbors, to our next generation. Give us, Lord, the courage to declare that you are the God who sees Pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. For first song, you want to take it to hymnals, number 310, Come the Fount of Every Blessing. Let's stand for that one.
have an insert in your bulletin. The next song will be Day by Day. next song is just on the other side of the page more about Jesus I would know
Let's take our bulletins and take a look at some of the things that are going on in our church community. Uh, on page two, uh, among the, of the things that are happening uh, this coming week or weekly, I'd like to add and remind us that on February 21st is our annual meeting. We want to acknowledge and pray for our missionaries of the week, K&K and Kevin Hildebrandt uh, at the bunker. Uh, they've, uh, I don't know, the, the bunker has some exciting venture that it's getting into, so it's going to need some support and prayer. And we want to acknowledge that um, we have some special people, uh, Alvin Weins and his crew, that clear our snow. And um, we've had saw a lot of snow to clear in the last 12 months. So let's give them a hand. So we have some, some uh, of our people um, uh, that are in, the, in, 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 in Boundary Trails Health Center is Mary Duick at Swan Lake Hospital, John Suderman. And now we've just heard that Dave is gonna go to um, the villages on the second floor at Buller. Uh, keep them in your prayers and, um, and ask, uh, we ask for God's peace as they go through their various things that are happening to them in their life. Uh, Rita Friesen has moved to Red River Valley Lodge in Morris, and um, we, we, we remember, you, remember you, and we also know God sees you. Pastor Victor is uh, serving uh, at the Blumen Norder Mennonite Church Family Camp this weekend, so we want to also remember him. We have a number of things going on in our community. Um, uh, Winkler Bible Camp, 1613, Salem Home, Pemina Valley Camp, the Winkler Bible Camp, all preparing for the comer, coming summer and the coming events. So let's keep them in our prayers and let's take note of the events that they're offering to us as a community so where we can participate. Let's take a time and just bring in all of this to, to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to meet in this place, to worship together, to share together, and to grow together. Father, you have gifted us with this day, with this opportunity that not everyone in this world has. And Father, we do not want to forget the privileges that we have. Father, we hold up K&K um, &K and Kevin Hildebrandt and the work that they do. Walk with them, give them wisdom and discernment as they um, boldly step out to declare your good news. And Father, we wanna thank you for those that serve in our church, and especially Alvin Weins and his crew, and, and, but we have many others as well that are serving here uh, on a weekly, on a daily basis, and Father, uh, we thank you for the safety that you have provided. We also want to thank you um, uh, and ask that you bless, you bless each one of them in a special way. Father, we have many that are, uh, that are dealing with um, bad health, with poor health. And Father, we know that you are there and we ask that your arms uh, come around them 
that you give them the peace that passes all understanding and that they also know that you see them. And we in particular, Mary Duick, John Suderman, Dave Dick, Rita Friesen. And we've heard uh, a couple of testimonies here today sharing of how you have been there and how you've walked with them. And we, Father, we just ask that, that you will continue to do that. We have seen you at work in many places and in many, many times in our lives and help us, Father, to be grateful. Father, I just now ask that you um, uh, multiply the gifts that, are, that will be received. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Call on the ushers to come forward. Scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians 1, 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to all, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the suffering of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance at the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Thank you, Bill, for reading that portion of scripture for us this morning. In the letter to the church, James encourages the believers with these words in James chapter five, verse 13. He says this, is any among you suffering? There, then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Two different things that happen within our lives, suffering and cheerfulness, and that we find that part of our daily um, lives and perhaps even sometimes of our daily living itself from day to day. As we go through life, we quickly discover it is filled up, it is filled with ups and downs. No sooner do we celebrate, it seems it is followed by discouragement and hardship. And sometimes the discouragement and the problems are so profound that we even fail to see the blessings of God and the good times that are provided for us. The good news is that God doesn't leave us alone in our struggle, and he doesn't leave us alone when we celebrate. He is there present. And even sometimes we think when we celebrate or having a good time, well, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be down in the dumps. And when we're down in the dumps, we think to ourselves, oh, this is just too much for me to bear. So how we handle ourselves and lean into God during our trials will indeed dictate on how we conduct ourselves during the blessings. Jonah and Paul, servants of the Lord, both called of God, were in a storm, both handled their situations differently. Jonah was busy trying to run away from the Lord and Paul was actively sharing the gospel with those who had never heard or responded. Now look at the parallels between these two servants of God. Both preached the gospel, both suffered, both were sent to the Gentiles, 
Both saw the Lord, people turn to the Lord, yet both handled their situations differently. When the city of Nineveh repented, Jonah was upset because he didn't want to see these wicked people who tortured the Israelites. He didn't want to see them turn to God. But on the other hand, Paul rejoiced when he saw the Gentiles turn to the Lord because the Jews had a particular bent of looking at the Gentiles in a negative way. They didn't want anything to do with them. Paul knew that God had called him to preach the good news, and so did Jonah. And there were lives that were changed. But in those situations, things were different. We can draw up three principles from Jonah and Paul's response to the Lord. First, both went through a storm of suffering, and Jonah suffered because he disobeyed the Lord, while Paul suffered because he was obedient. Remember, both were servants of the Lord. Second, God used both of them to accomplish his will. Both seen tremendous amount of people coming to faith in Christ. And of course, one was reluctantly doing it, and one was joyfully doing it. Third, in the midst of suffering that led to the salvation of others, Jonah lived in bitterness, while Paul's suffering that led to the salvation of others led to rejoicing. Isn't that interesting? And if we would compare ourselves, in which camp do we fit most? When God calls us, he calls us. Jonah ran away from God. Jonah had a change of heart, a partway heart, because he went and preached, and the whole city repented and turned to God. But he wasn't happy with that. And Paul went out and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. He had a passion. Their lives were changed. And these new people who came to faith in Christ were brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that Paul even wept for these other new believers who were Gentiles. In January, I started a message series um, in 2 Corinthians entitled Growing Deeper in the Lord, and that's what we want to do. We want to grow deeper in the Lord. In the first two messages, we looked at part one and part two of the purpose of suffering, and this morning we want to examine part three. So before we go any farther, let me quickly recap the first two messages for us. And it's the purpose of suffering. The purpose of suffering. And it's verses 1 through 11. First of all, the purpose of suffering um, is easier to accept when you know and are in the will of God. We find that in verses 1 and 2. The purpose of suffering is easier to accept when you know and are in the will of God. If there's one thing that Paul had confidence in is that he had been called to be an apostle by the will of God. He was called. He was called, and he could not get out of it. He understood from the outset of his calling that he would be suffering for the preaching of the gospel. Indeed, he did suffer. He suffered greatly. Added to his calling, he had a deep relationship with Christ. That is what kept him going. Paul depended upon the Lord, and if he depended upon the Lord, we can also depend upon on him too. 
We can see from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, this is what Paul says. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Close quote. Paul could accept suffering because he knew his calling. He also had a deep relationship with the Lord. The second thing we learn about the purpose of suffering, it is number two, to provide comfort from God. It's to provide comfort from God. And that's found in verses three through seven. According to verse four, God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In other words, we receive comfort from God. When we have received it from God, we too can be facilitators or conduits to help people in their suffering. No one can take away people's pain and change their circumstances. You can't and I can't. But God comforts us, and because he comforts us, we too can go in the power of his word, and we can offer the comfort that God gives, because he is the true comforter. If we allow ourselves to be obedient to the word, we will comfort others, but it won't be our comfort. It will be just the comfort of God flowing through us. Now we come to this morning's message of the purpose of suffering. Number three is to enable us to keep our focus on God. The purpose of suffering is to enable us to keep our focus on God. And most of us don't like that idea. And I tell you what, I don't jump up and down when I have to suffer. Suffer. If you have your Bibles, then turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, because that's the portion we want to focus on today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Follow along as I read verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffer in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life to think about that we despaired even of life if you would look at that portion of scriptures there's key words throughout this hardships suffered great pressure beyond our ability to endure and despair even of life This is the circumstances. This is how the Apostle Paul lived as he went preaching the gospel. As I said already, another reason for the purpose of suffering is to enable us to keep our focus on God because, number one, because God is in control of our trials and sufferings, believe it or not. God is in control of our, of our trials and sufferings, and he allows them to come into our lives. 
We all think God's a good God, and surely he wouldn't allow difficulty to come into our lives, and yet he does. Paul uses two words here to describe what happened to him in the province of Asia. The first word is hardship, and the second word is suffered. There was hardship, and there were, was suffering. The Greek word is thalipis, thalipsis. That is the Greek word. According to the New American Standard Hebrew and Aramaic Greek Dictionary, this word is used 40 times in the, 45 times in the New Testament. The root of the word means tribulation. That's the root of the word. Here it is, here it is translated in the New Testament this number of times. 20 times it is translated as affliction or afflictions, whether it's singular or plural, but it's affliction. Then once it's translated as anguish, twice as distress, once as persecution, and 20 times as tribulation, tribulation. Close quote. When Paul uses the word hardship, it describes the ruthless cruelty he and his traveling companions experienced as they proclaimed the gospel. He lived a rugged, ugly life as he put forth the gospel that literally the gospel changed the known world and Christianity went forth. When Paul uses the word hardship, he knew what it meant. Here is the question. How do we know that God is in control of our trials and sufferings and will equip and strengthen us to go through them? How do we know? Look at the second part of verse 8. The second part of verse 8 says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. We despaired even of life. The picture is very clear. Life itself became a chore. Many of you have watched your loved ones suffer I have watched my loved ones suffer. It comes to the point when they're at the end of life that even their breath is too hard for them to breathe. It in itself has become a drudgery. Often God gives us more than we can carry. He does. People say God never gives us any more than we can carry. He always gives us more than we can carry because if we can carry in of our load, we don't need God. We don't need him. So he gives us more than we can carry for two reasons. First, it forces us to depend upon him. If God only gives us what we can handle, then we don't need him. That is why the Lord wants us to come first to him before we go anywhere else to manage our burdens, to give him first priority. So often we go to others or we figure out the problem ourselves 
And that is not the answer. It's not that we shouldn't try. It's not that we shouldn't go and talk with other believers. But we go to everyone else rather than to God first. The second reason he gives us more than we can carry is that when he enables us to accomplish the task, he gets the glory and not us. When things go well and we have trusted God and people look at us and they say, how could you do it? And you say, I can't. I couldn't. It's because of his strength, God's strength. That's why, and God gets the glory. He gets the glory, not ought, us. God gave us gifts to serve others, but they were never designed to work independently apart from God's strength and direction. Work done in the flesh brings God no glory. When done in our own strength, it doesn't glorify God. Only when we do it with his strength. We are dependent upon the Lord for everything, including our next breath. If God took that away from us, we would be gone. That's it. We're dependent upon him for our next breath. The sooner we realize this, the sooner we will fulfill our calling and live with abundant joy. We will live with abundant joy, not because we are pressure-free or persecution-free or hardship-free or suffering-free, but because we are dependent upon him and God gives us that joy. Listen to what Jesus tells his followers in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a beautiful picture of what the Lord does for us when we understand this portion of Scripture. A yoke was a wooden instrument that was used to harness one or two animals to the plow. When two animals were often yoked together, one was stronger than the other one. This greatly benefited the weaker animal because the stronger one enabled the weaker one to pull the load because he could, or that animal could not do it by themselves. When we are yoked to Jesus Christ, he is by ourselves, by our sides, and he allows us to carry the burden and to pull the load with the strength that he is giving us, because we can't do it ourselves. It is impossible. When we are yoked to Jesus, he is by our side and he strengthens us in our times when we would collapse and it would be all over. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need to be yoked. How do we learn from him? We learn by being obedient because he was obedient to the Father. We in turn become obedient to the Father. We listen and he is by our side to comfort, to guide us, to direct us, and support us in our times of hardships. 
as was said already, another reason for the purpose of serving is to enable us to keep our focus on God. Number two, because God can be relied upon in our trials. God can be relied upon in our trials. Verse nine, what does Paul say here? Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Who can raise the dead? No one. Who gives life? Jesus Christ. Who created this world? Jesus Christ. Him all things hold together. In him, everything comes into being. Paul was going through such persecution and agonizing suffering that he thought it was the end of his life. He thought it was all over. It felt like he had the sentence of death. Have you been there with, the tri with your trials, the hardships and difficulties you have experienced or experiencing right now? At some times in our lives, we come to the end of ourselves and we have no strength physically, emotionally, or spiritually to go on. It's like we have the sentence of death and we don't even have the motivation. We sometimes just say, it would be better just to leave life and go home to be with the Lord. And that's okay because when the Lord calls us, then we go. But when we're here, he has a purpose for us. He has a purpose, and that's why we keep on going when we think we can't keep on going. The burdens and the trials are just too heavy and overwhelming, we might think. The reason is that we are relying on our own strength. When we come to that point, we end up relying on ourselves and not the Lord. Why does God allow us to go through sufferings and trials? Again, look at what Paul says. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And that is the purpose, because too often we just rely on ourselves because it's tough work to pray and come before God and give everything to him. And what's worse is when he asks us to do things that we don't want to do, and so we keep away and we just depend upon our own strength. Paul was used to relying on his own strength. He was. If there was a person who relied on his own strength, it was Paul. Before coming to Christ, he was a Pharisee, but not just a Pharisee. He said that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had taught, climbed to the very top. He was above everyone. And he did it by the strength that he had, for he was a gifted individual. But when he came to Christ, things did change. But I want to tell you, there was still lots of room for pride to develop in Paul. As an apostle, he became the top of the top. He wrote most of the New Testament books, planted more churches than any others, and represented Christ before kings and government officials more than any of the other apostles. Truly, he climbed to the top in his ranks. 
If anyone was an experienced servant of God and knew how to handle sufferings and adversity, it was Paul. Yet he too came to the end of himself. He came to the end of himself. Because without Christ and without working, without working him in our lives, we will do nothing. Listen to what he has to say. We can't trust in ourselves, our gifts, our experiences, talents, and abilities. We can't trust in them. When we get self-confident, we are in trouble. So a little later in the letter, Paul is, that Paul is pen, penning in 2 Corinthians, this, this letter that he is writing. He asked God if he can remove the thorn in his flesh. There was a thorn. It was causing him grief, pain, and hardship, and suffering. All asked God three times. Here is what God said to him, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Three times, three times I pleaded. Like we're talking pleading. Remove this. Pleading, pleading with God, pleading with the Lord to take away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. The idea here is not that Paul just sat passively by and took his hands off everything. Rather, he sought the Lord in everything that he did. His eyes were focused on Jesus and on Jesus alone. Only then did he talk with his companions. Only then did he move out and do what he was supposed to do because he was in prayer. And that's what it means to be dependent upon the Lord, that we are focusing our attention 100% upon Christ. God allowed Paul to go through hardship and appointed us to go through agonizing suffering. If you haven't been there, maybe you'll get there. But I want to tell you, it's not a pleasant time. But if our eyes are focused on the Lord, it makes all the difference. But this happened. Why is this all happening to us? Why did this happen to Paul? But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Every time we go through difficulties, hardships, persecution, or whatever it is, it is so we will depend upon God. Now we come to the next step in the purpose of suffering is to enable us to keep our focus on God. A matter of fact, does that? 
because when we are suffering and no one else can help us, there's only one left to turn to, and that is God. He's the only one. The purpose of suffering is to enable us to keep our focus on God. Number three, because God delivers us from trials and he is exalted in our trials. Because God delivers us from trials and he is exalted in our trials. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favors granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I want you to think about the participation of prayers that many people have already said here this morning as they shared. It is because people here are praying for those who need prayer. And at some time, we all need prayer, if not sometime, if not daily, for us. Paul was no stranger to deadly perils he faced and how God delivered him through the most impo impossible circumstance, extent, pardon me, impossible circumstances. Fortunately, and I say fortunately, the Lord often works in ways that we don't understand because he always works things out for our best and his glory. If God was going to tell us what was, what was in store for us this next week, most of us would sit and worry the rest of our year away, wondering what God was going to do. For example, James the Apostle was beheaded in prison and Peter was delivered from prison where he was expected to be executed. Think about that. People were praying. One is executed. One is left to preach the gospel. James died and went to be with the Lord. Peter was delivered from the sword and he went on to lead the church. In both cases, blessings occurred. James went home to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? You know why? Because this world is not our home. And whether we live here 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years or even 100, this is nothing compared to eternity. Nothing in longevity. Nothing compared. Paul also faced similar circumstances as he described when he wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. Paul said this, and he was facing death, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go living on in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what should I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be part and be with Christ, which is better by far. If he had a choice, 
if he had a choice, he'd rather go home to be with the Lord. But the following verses says that he said, now it is better that I stay so that I can work with the Philippian church. He was happy in either circumstances. God, who is all-powerful, can deliver us by either death or life because he is Lord of, of all. You see, when we pray for a person to be healed and they die, they have the total healing because they're with the Lord and they would not want to come back. And so it is. We look forward to that day, but while we are here, we serve the Lord in his strength, in his power, and we wait for him because he will work in us and he will be glorified. According to verse 11, or verse 11, the Corinthians participated in Paul's deliverance by praying for him. Do you notice that? They prayed for him. They were praying for him. So likewise, we can participate in other people's lives by praying that God will deliver them from temptation and overcome trials, tests, and persecution. We often want to pray, Lord, take away all the suffering, all the trials, all the difficulties, but that's not what God wants because those things are the things that God is using us to mature us. If we took away all the problems and difficulties, we would soon just forget about God and he would be placed on the back burner. The fact is, is that we need God each and every day of our lives. We need him completely. We are called to pray for others because it makes a difference as we already heard this morning. And we need to be praying for others. There's people in the church and one another. We need to pray for each other. So what results as we go through trials, tribulations, and sufferings as we trust the Lord? What are the results? What happens? First, Suffering increases our faith and strength as we depend upon the Lord. Let me repeat that. First, sufferings increase our faith and strength as we depend upon the Lord. Second, suffering draws us closer to others, to one another, so we can pray together. That's what suffering does. It draws us together as we focus on Christ. Finally, suffering allows us to glorify God when people see the Lord working in our lives. When God can be seen in our lives, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. So it is my prayer for you that as you go through your trials, your suffering that you will become more and more dependent upon him so all the glory turns to God and people will say of us who are in this church, my, they serve a great God. For the last song, take your hymn notes. Uh, it's a little misprint in your bulletin. It's not 538, it's 495. Abide with me. We will sing the first three verses and then we'll sing the last one after the benediction. Please stand. 
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the strength that you give us. For without you, it is impossible to live the Christian life. We pray, Father, that as we go through our trials and our difficulties, that we would meet you each and every day, and you have promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. Give us the strength that we need, for without you, we are nothing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.